week and this is how it's addressed car doctor 59 west prospect street waldwick new jersey that's all it says that means that the post office a branch of the federal government has designated and recognized me as the car doctor the car doctor and now we drag out the oil change now we extend that oil change interval and guess what happens we wear out the cam journal we wear out the cam bearing and we create engine problems welcome to the radio home of ron and anian the car doctor since 1991 this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair if your mechanic's giving you a busy signal pick up the phone and call in the garage doors are open but i am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900 and now here's ronnie hey start your engines thanks for stopping by the garage today i'm ronnie and the car doctor here at 855-560-9900 the one and only no baloney here at cardoctorshow.com as well if you're looking for more information about the show and just in general how to get a hold of us during the week you can also call that 855-560-9900 phone number 24 7 the number's there with a recorded message and tom ray or motorhead matt will pick up the phone and call you back and get you in line up and queue for the next live broadcast as we motor out on on the airwaves today this week this week is it this week guys tony's shaking his head yes he's got a mouthful of sandwich he's always eating this guy um i think he's bulking up he wants to go replace eric flowers on the line for the giants but you know it's um well they do need some help fellas i mean um you know it is it is becoming apparent is it you see this button here yes that shuts him off Is, is it flowers or is it the rest of them which one is it um well tony's got a comment here all of the above. Yeah, it's because Eli's not doing a bad job. No, it, no. it wasn't Eli. Right. The, the receivers need to catch catch the ball, and the blockers on the offensive line need to learn how to block. Now, I want to tell you guys something. See, I want to show you how pro giant I am. I'm working on. I know a guy in Jersey. In Jersey, you don't know people. In Jersey, it's you know a guy. It's you know a guy thing. I know a guy. Yeah, we kind of break bread every once in a while, and he's talking to a guy that he knows that has a friend. Who's going to go talk to Phil Sims? We're going to see if we get Phil Sims to stop by the studio one day. No promises. All right? And then he'll explain the whole thing to us because I know you guys really want to know how the Giants work and uh, how, what the real deal is. But um, that's what's going on behind the scenes. Anyway, um, this week on this radio show, as I was starting to say and thinking about, um, we're giving away a scan tool from the folks over at Launch Tech, Launch Tech USA. We're giving away a Millennium 50. It is a really great little scan tool. It's got a color screen. It does OBD2. It does some graphing. It's for all you guys out there in the garage that just need to know what codes are there. And to tell you the truth, I use an OBD2 scan tool. That's my first tool that I pick up when I've got a check engine light on and I want to see what the fault code is. It's a lot easier to read and work in OBD2 sometimes than manufacturer-specific because when you're working on a variety of manufacturers, they change their language. There's differences in what they may call uh, an oxygen sensor or an air-fuel ratio sensor between Ford, GM, Toyota, Honda, Chrysler, and so on. OBD2? Always calls it the same thing, and it always looks pretty much the same. So OBD2 scan tools really are part of any diagnostic arsenal. We're giving that away to a caller this hour or next. I'm not sure which one Tom's got in mind. It's it's really up to him. So uh, be nice to Tom when you call in at 855-560-9900. I want to talk about plastic. Uh, put a post up on Facebook this week, Ron and Annie in the Car Doctor Facebook page. And it's more than just that post. The post is some pictures of 
different parts of a car, of a clock spring. A clock spring is the is the mechanism that, that spins around with the steering wheel that connects the airbag contacts and the horn contacts and electrics in the wheel that, you know, allow it to connect down to a main trunk harness and run out to the various modules to the car so that it operates. That's what a clock spring does. There's a picture of an EMSI pump, which is part of an evaporative emission system, which is what we find on a lot of Chrysler and Jeep products. And there's a plastic gas cap. Now, some of it, it seems kind of mundane, plastic gas cap. Yeah, no big deal. Gee, they've made gas caps out of plastic now for years. It's 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 not a big deal. And they've made quite a bit of cars out of plastic now for years. It's not that new. But what made me think of it? It was the instructions in the clock spring installation. When I was reading the procedure on how to install the clock spring, and I've done, gee, I've done more clock springs than I can care to think about. But... It was the one line in the procedure that said, when installing the clock spring, there were four screws holding it down. Make sure you start with the left top and work your way down to the right bottom, to the left rear, to the right front. They had a specific torque procedure and a specific torque range. They wanted the screws tightened to a specific value. I don't think anybody does. I think snug is enough and a little bit more is better. But it made me stop to think... How critical plastic and working on vehicles made of plastic, which is where we are, and we're going there ever so much more if we, if we can, in the future. I wonder if the measurement of a good repair shop and a good mechanic isn't going to be whether or not they have every scan tool, every whiz-bang scope, every piece of diagnostic information under their sun at their fingertips, but more so, how many torque wrenches do they have? And how good are they? And when was the last time they were calibrated? I, I did a quick count. I have eight I have eight torques. I almost said scan tools. I have eight torque wrenches in the shop. Everything from inch pounders, all right, to foot pounders, to quarter inch, all the way up to half inch. I have I have ones that are just normal click type. I have ones that are beam style. I have the newer ones that they buzz and they light up and they tell you how many degrees to the left or the right you've gone. And it's a small fortune in torque wrenches. And I say to myself, I wonder, will it become mandatory? You know, we're, we're talking about electronic vehicles. We're talking about autonomous vehicles, self-driving cars, and what that's going to bring to the table and how that's going to affect the world in the next 8, 9, 10 years. And I think about the skill level required to service those. Part of what they're talking about with the clock spring, why they want the screws tightened in a specific order, is very simple. If you could see the, the, the clock spring itself, the plastic is so cheesy, all right? It sort of folds and waffles. I hate to say it like an offensive line, but I won't say it that. It sort of waffles and folds like, like a wet taco. It just has no no resiliency, no strength to it. Sorry, Tone. But it it it's a problem. I don't know how many people are going to do it. It's not that they're going to break the plastic screws. The concern is warping the housing and distorting the very sensitive electrical contacts. And that's part of the problem, I think, going forward for technology in that to create all the self-driving cars and the ability to uh, cut down on expense and make everything non-internal combustion engine. We're going to need to lighten the load. We're going to need to use even more plastic, which means we're going to need to change the way mechanics work on certain things.
And I wonder if the industry can do it. Uh, there aren't a lot of mechanics I know, not a, not the old school established. And this is where I think and I wonder about the clashing of culture and the clashing of environment. The old heavy-handed mechanics, that some of them have the best touch and feel in the world, but a lot of them get by on a lot of them get by on luck. And I don't know that luck is going to do it anymore. I think it's going to require specific training, very expensive training, and that training is going to have to be paid for and come out somewhere near the end just to deal with all the plastic on cars. It's a nice little video. Get out to the Facebook page, Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor. You'll see that out there. And um, I thought you might just like to stop and think about it. You know, how does something as simple as a plastic clock spring change the definition of and the way in which we're going to work on cars in the future? It's got me thinking, and I hope it does to you, too. 855-560-9900. Don't forget, this week, uh, I, mean, I think it's, yeah, we'll see what we'll see what comes up this hour. But uh, next week, or I'm sorry, this hour, we're going to be giving away a uh, the first of a few, I should point out, by the way, too. Uh, we're going to do this a couple of times in the next month or so. But the first of a few launch scan tools from the nice folks over at Launch Tech, Launch Tech USA, a Millennium 50. I'm Ron Annie and the Car Doctor. I'll be back right after this. Don't go away. Every highway. Welcome back. Ron and Annie, the car doctor. 855-560-9900. Let's cruise out to the blue waters of the warm Pacific and see Walt in Maui, Hawaii. Walt, welcome back to the car doctor, sir. What's going on today? Yeah, aloha, uh, Ron. How are you? Good, sir. Um, what can I uh, do for you today, Walt? I was talking to Tom about this. I <clears throat> You often uh, talk about the different services when you do oil changes at your shop, all the stuff you guys check. And, you know, I know how to drain the oil and put the new oil in, but I was wondering if you have some kind of a checklist or you could just kind of run down for me, you know, from A to Z, what what you check with an oil change. First of all, great question, Walter, by the way. First of all, every car is a little different. Yeah, all the Toyota Corollas and the Camrys and, and the Hondas, and yeah, it's, it's all the same stuff. But, you know, you give me a, a 3,501-ton Chevy truck, Versus a Toyota Corolla versus maybe uh, you know a, a crossover SUV versus a hybrid. There's all there's different things that you're going to look at as part of an oil change. It's just you know there's some basics, and then each car has its little idiosyncrasies. So yeah, it's if we're not doing a drain and drop and change the filter, which a lot of people do and don't stop to realize the, you know the value and what they're missing in terms of not having the opportunity for somebody to look at something. We always look at tires. We always take a peek at brakes, especially now where we've got so many cars that are four-wheel disc brakes. I don't know of too many cars that are drum brake in the rear anymore, uh, which is good because I think a lot of the younger technicians would look at drum brakes and go, wow, what's that? Uh, which tells me <laughs> tells me I'm getting old. Um, you know, I was talking to some uh, younger techs the other day, and we were talking about carburetors, and they wanted to know how they worked, and I started explaining to them that it has a lot to do with uh, you know, um, uh, the Venturi effect of a carburetor is equal to the way an airplane gets lift inside the wing and low pressure. And they were looking at me like I was speaking Martian. It was Well, you know, I, I'm 72, so I yeah. definitely know carburetors. You, you, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. So, you know, we're going to look at tires. We're going to look at brakes. We're going to spin the tires. All right? Do they spin true? Do they wobble? Uh, you know, do they do they have any stones in them? You know, I'm always curious to look, look see what's in between the treads of the tires. And, yeah, I'll do this on a regular oil change. I'll do it quick, but I'll do it. You know, and it's that it's that visual look. I'm looking for something out of place, a broken sway bar link, excessive rust on a brake line for a possible failure. Uh, you know, is the fuel tank showing any stains or any signs of anything that's, you know, maybe we've got a fuel leak going on and nobody's aware of it. An oil change 
is really more than just that. It's it's an opportunity for a mechanic to verify the safety of the vehicle. Now, the trick is you've got to get it done in 15 to 20 minutes, and, and that's probably stretching the time limit. So you're working quick. I mean, the usual underhood fluids, but underhood fluids are going away. There aren't a lot of fluids under the hood that a mechanic can check anymore simply because of you know, manufacturers are sealing everything. I had to work on a Lexus uh, two days ago. Had to do a power steering pump on a 2007 Lexus ES350 with 32,000 miles on it. The pump was leaking. Uh, I know I'm a little off topic here, Walt, but bear with me. It, it was just okay. to demonstrate the point. The the pump needed to be replaced, and in order to drain the fluid out of the reservoir and fill it, I had to remove the plastic covers that were under hood. In particular, there were 14 clips holding these covers on, which, you know, are all fragile plastic, 10 years old, brittle, ready to break, ready to snap. And you sit there and you say, well, I got to get these apart and put them back together without breaking. I stock them, but the clips are easily four and a half, five dollars a pop times 14 or times 11 or times seven. However many you break, all of a sudden you've spent an extra couple of bucks. But the point is, fluids aren't easy to get to under hood. And, you know, manufacturers aren't, are making it so by simple design. So uh, for the things I'm not checking under the hood in terms of fluids, I'll use it to check those things that I just described. Sometimes, you know, obviously I'm looking at belts and hoses, but again, most cars today will go the distance. I'm looking for the thing that's out of balance. Once in a while, depending upon the vehicle, I'll pop the trunk and look at the spare. And I say that once in a while because it also depends on what the person has in the trunk. And people should think about that. You know, if they've got the trunk loaded with... You know, bricks or, 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 or hockey gear or sweat socks or whatever they're carrying around, it's really hard for the mechanic to go in there and check the spare. And you know what? Uh, especially on an oil change, and you know, we'll, we'll usually find or quite often find that the tires are almost empty or down to 13 pounds or 14 pounds, but definitely way below spare tire pressure limit level or level limit. Um, but those kind of things. You know, an oil change is a moment to gather what's left of the car and decide, yeah, where do I need to go? Do I need to recommend a bigger checklist, a bigger look at for the car? And that's part of it, too. And I'll tell you one thing a good repair shop does that a quick loop can't do, and I've never seen them do, absolutely positively, a good repair shop road tests an oil change. And it's it's the truth, um, you know, because a good shop will have, we do, we, we call it three rights, go make three rights. It's up on Smith, it's up on Bonnard, it's come around to West Prospect and pull it into the shop, Owen Zazetti. And, um, you know, we make the three what rights. What are you listening for on the uh, road test? Bumps, lumps, how does the car feel, how does it sound, okay. you know, is there something askew? I've been in more than a few cars where the check engine light will come on when you hit 30 miles an hour, but it's off at idle. So if I were to take that car, if I were to take that car from the lot, you know, customer comes in, signs the order, car comes in off the lot, pull it into the garage, put it up in the air, change the oil, do my thing, put it out front, and not road test it, I'd never catch the check engine light. Now, the fact that the customer hasn't mentioned it to me, and quite often they don't. You know, some customers play, if I tell them he'll find something expensive and I don't want to pay for that, I'll rather wait and see what happens. You know, they, they, they spin the roulette wheel. But it's, it's really my job to make sure and under, make them understand that check engine light's not on, or they think that check engine light's on because of the oil change. And I've had people come back in and say, you changed the oil, the check engine light's still coming on. And I'm like, what check engine light? Uh, <laughs> you know, so it's an oil change is just so much more than just an oil change. It, it, it really is. 
And I, I, I've said it for a long time. I think it's the Rodney Dangerfield of the industry. Just nobody respects it and understands what it's about. They want it cheap. They want it quick. They want it simple. And they want it out the door. Um, you know, that's that's really the perspective. And I bet you, Walt, checking or changing oil on a car from Hawaii, I'm going to be looking for different things in the car from Florida than the car from Texas and the car from New Jersey than the car from Chicago. I'll never forget, and then I'm going to go, I'll never forget the car I changed oil on. I used to have a customer, and he's, I, I don't, I'm not sure what happened. He's, I, haven't seen, I haven't seen Bugsy in probably 10 years. And he lived in Jersey. He summer vacationed, and he retired, I think is what happened, and he stayed down there thinking about it. And he summer vacationed down in Sanibel Island, Florida. He drove all the way up uh, in the fall, and you know we would service the car. And sometimes he'd go back for the winter, too. And he, he came in one year. And I found a small, I don't know if it was a, I can't, don't know if it was a crocodile or an alligator, whatever they've got, whatever they've got growing in Florida. All right. It had, it had crawled into How the. How do you build that? I, you know, it was. Crocodile removal? You know, it was, it was, the mechanic was horrified. Um, you know, it, it was young Paulie who's gone now. He passed recently and. It was just, you know, he said, you got to come here and see this. And I could tell by the look in his eye, it wasn't going to be something normal. And he had taken down the plastic oil chain shield, and there was this gator that had wedged itself between the shield and the exhaust pipe and the heat of the exhaust pipe. It was like baked alligator all the way up from... uh, from from Florida, it just it just baked it and cooked it to death. The eyes popped out the whole nine yards. It was pretty pretty horrible to look at, but um, I, I never forgot that. So you never know what you're going to find in the course of an oil change. Listen, someday when I write the book, one chapter in the book is going to be things I found under the hood, under the seat, and in the glove compartment. All right, because the things that people put in their cars are just. Just you, 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 you just can't believe it. Walter, as always, sir, I appreciate the call, and I appreciate you tuning us out there in Hawaii. And um, you go out and have yourself a great Hawaiian afternoon, and um, um, take good care. I'm Ron Anini, The Car Doctor, 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor's coming back right after this. Don't go away. back. Ron and the Indian, the car doctor. Thanks for sticking with us this hour. 855-560-9900. Let's go over and talk to Robert, West Point, New York, and a Toyota pickup truck with a brake problem. Robert, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Hey, Ron. Thanks. Uh, yeah, I, I put a new master cylinder on, replaced all the bright, uh, brake lines, and uh, brake pedal still goes right to the floor. I mean, obviously, I tried bleeding them. Nothing, though. No. What was the original issue that made you do all this did a line break or was there some other failure yeah the car was sitting for two years uh i took it out it was running fine the next day i went to use it and i saw all the fluid on the floor they just basically ruptured okay and saw it okay so when you when you put the master on how did you bleed the master uh I went to a YouTube video, a couple of them, and I uh, put the two hoses in, made sure all the air 
was out, and you just pumped it with a screwdriver. Okay, right. And you just you just did that on a repeated basis and allowed it to backfeed it into itself until it didn't draw any more, uh, until there were no more bubbles coming out of the discharge ports and there was pure fluid, correct? Right, All right. exactly. Um, now, when you did that, when you first started doing that and you were short stroke in the master, you know, you're kind of, you're just poking the bear, so to speak. You're just trying to dislodge any bubbles, all right? The master was level, correct, when you had it clamped in the vise? Yes. Okay. Now, did you notice the bubbles coming up out of the discharge port in the middle of the master at first? Uh, they weren't really coming out much, but, yeah, it was a little. Right. It's just a little. I also, yeah, right. Okay. You were going to say something? I was saying, too, uh, the reading I was doing, too, it was supposed to tighten up. Uh, uh, would that be correct? As I'm pushing the screwdriver, it sort of would get harder and harder to push. And that never really happened. Yes. It, well, it should because, you know, the hydraulic action has to start there. Now, in that, in that master cylinder kit, did they give you um, little fittings that screw in with the rubber hoses? Is that where you got it from? To bleed right, it? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yes. So what would be ideal, all right, to, to, to really get to the root cause of this quick is if you can find plugs with that thread pitch to put in those ports and push down on the push down on the master. The master's gotta hold pressure. If the master doesn't hold pressure, then you've got a bad master or there's still more air in it. All right? Mm -hmm. It's as it's as simple as that. Now, is okay. this is this a rear disc brake car vehicle or a rear drum brake vehicle? Uh, it's rear drums. All right. Have you looked at the rear drums? Do we know the wheel cylinders are moving and working? No, no. I'm I'm a rookie here. That's okay. And that's all right, brother. <laughs> uh, you know what? That's that's nothing wrong with that. So uh, let's 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 talk about a bicycle. All right. You ever ride a ten speed? Sure. Got a brake in the front, brake in the back, right? Right. All right. You ever work on a bicycle? Oh, yeah. Okay. So if the brake in the back's not working, the front brake overworks, and the same as vice versa. Uh, the vehicle won't, the bicycle won't stop as well, and the vehicle's not going to stop worth a hoot. All right. If this truck has been sitting for two years to the point that it rotted the brake lines and failed and created the leak, we also have to stop and think about do we have anything as far as are the calipers frozen? Do they move on their slides? Did you happen to take the brakes off and make sure that the, the calipers slide and do what they're supposed to do? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I didn't do that. Like I said, though, the day before, everything was working fine and dandy. Okay. So. Okay. Oh, so, well, no, you said it. Okay, so the vehicle was, well, now, now I'm confused. The vehicle was sitting for two years, the line, and you were, dri right. you were driving it or you fixed it and it worked okay and then it, it didn't. Okay, it was sitting for two years. Start, it started right up. You know, I, I put fresh fuel in it, took it out for a test drive. Everything was perfect. The brakes were working. Came back home. Uh, the next day, uh, I noticed that all the fluid pretty much leaked out of the lines. So 24 hours later, they, they just didn't hold overnight, the lines. Okay, so was that, was that when, you say, when you say the lines leaked out, is it that the lines failed, or that the fittings, it leaked at the fittings? Where did the leak come from? Uh, well, looking at the lines after I took them off, they were just corroded from years ago in, uh, in the snow with the salt, uh, pretty much. Okay, they, so the, so the lines did. themselves failed. 
Yeah. All right. Right. Yes. So then let's 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 start back with basics. Let's make sure the master's doing what it's supposed to do. All right. If you block the two lines in the master, this is a two-line master, correct? Right. Yes. If if you block those ports in the master, the fittings in the master, if all the air is bled out, this should have a hard, this should this should have resistance. This should be a hard pedal. All right. Okay. And then at that point, work your way down. Now, was it a new master that you purchased, or was it a rebuilt? It was new, and I even uh, got set up, and I put the old one back in since it was working. I just thought I'd do some preventative maintenance and buy a new one because it was the original one. And But they're, now they're, they're both. They're, okay. I get the same results with both. You know, it might be the way you're bleeding it. You gave me a great idea. I'm sorry to tell you this, Robert, but I'm going to... I'm going to have to, maybe I'll do a video on bench bleeding master cylinders one day. We'll stick it up on the Facebook channel, get it out on YouTube, too, and I'll show you guys the way I do mine. But basically, I want to keep it level. I want to short stroke it. Make sure that you're stroking it long enough. Realize there's two ports there. So when right. you when you push in on the piston, how far do you go? Do you fully stroke it or do you short stroke it all the time? I sort of short stroke it in the beginning to wake it up and get out some of the preliminary air, and then I'll go longer and deeper just trying to just trying to get the rest of the air out that's at the bottom did you did you go all the way in yeah i definitely did it all i, I didn't short stroke it in the beginning i just went all the way the whole way smoothly though okay then let's make sure you've got no air and that master should hold pressure and if it doesn't then there's something wrong there it's as simple as that all right, I'll give it another shot. All right, it's not kiddo. Too hard to take it off. Yeah, if you, All right, thanks, if, Ron. if you need me, shoot me an email, Ron at CarDoctorShow.com, and you know maybe you can shoot a little video with your phone, and I'll watch you bleed your brakes, and I'll tell you if I think it's right or not. Excellent. All right, thanks a lot. All right, Great Robert, show. you're very welcome. Thank you, sir. Good luck to you. Um, yeah, I'd be. A, I guess I got to do that. I'll have to show you how to stroke it and. Uh, do a master cylinder bleed on the bench because that's where it all really starts. You know, we actually do it a, a little bit of a different way. We'll change the master, fill it with fluid, and depending upon the vehicle, we've got a method of bleeding on the car that saves time where we'll crack the lines and, well, it's a whole process. Maybe I'll have to show you that method, too, um, show you how we can save some time so we don't have to bench bleed everything. But we do we do tend to bench bleed more often than not. But anyway, 855-560-9900. Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor coming back right after this. Hey, Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor. Welcome back. 855-560-9900, the 24-7 number. Keep in mind, you can call that number anytime, day or night. Leave a message, and we will call you back and put you in queue for the next live broadcast, Saturdays, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time, right here out of corporate headquarters. Let's go over and talk to Roger, Dayton, Ohio, 06 Jeep Liberty. And uh, bad vibrations. Roger, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Hey, thanks. I listen to you on TuneIn Radio, and you're first, one of the first podcasts I bring up every day, every oh, week. Cool. Thank you very much. i got to tell you, the podcast thing is growing. It's, uh, it's growing in leaps and bounds. We're stunned to watch it, but uh, we appreciate you being there. What can I do for you? Okay. 2006 Jeep Liberty. It's got 200,400 miles, somewhere around that on it. And got a little vibration in the um, steering wheel, and maybe you know you can feel it a little bit in the car at around 35 miles an hour. Okay. I did have the universal joint replaced at about 150 uh, two or three years ago. How is it going faster out on the highway, Roger? If you're doing 55, 60, is it is it as bad? It's not there. It's still it's it's pretty smooth. Um, pretty smooth at that at that range. I haven't driven it much that fast yet. I just noticed it. 
yesterday, so I haven't driven it much. Okay. Steering wheel, and, uh, steering just, wheel vibrates, I, though? Yeah, just a little bit. You can just feel a little bit in the in the steering wheel. Besides the little bit in the steering wheel, do you feel it You know, anywhere else, seat of your pants, on the floorboard of the vehicle, on the shifter handle, on the transfer case shifter, if there is one? Um, or is it just um, in the steering yeah. wheel? Mostly just in the steering wheel, but you can feel a little bit in the car, too, but not much. Okay. Um, have you tried... It's, I just put new put new generals on it about 8,000 miles ago, too. All right. When they when they did the tires, did they happen to mention anything about the way they balanced out? Any issues with any of the rims? No, they said everything balanced good. Okay. Have you tried rotating the tires? Uh, I did pull... I thought it was coming from the right side, so I did pull that tire off and put the spare on it's got a full-size spare right and uh, it didn't make any difference it made no difference whatsoever mm, it All did right. not no so then the next thing i'm going to do is i'm going to rule out tires if, if moving tires around doesn't change anything or if you want to rotate them front to back i don't think it's going to matter and it doesn't change yeah, I'm anything gonna try that again later yeah on, but... um, and you know maybe do a full rotate front to back and let's just see it's it's not likely but it's okay. you know anything's possible we're yeah. dealing with something mechanical and if the problem does change it doesn't necessarily mean it's the tire i would also tend to think do i have a problem with one of the rims is it possible at this age and mileage? Where I'm gonna where I'm gonna focus next? Well, I want to say this. All right, just because they're new, just make sure. And I'm sure this isn't it, but let's just make sure. Make sure you've got four equal size correct tires on the truck. All right. Okay. Just yeah. you, you know, I, I I'm, I'm amazed how 43 years later, I don't think it not good. Oh God, I don't want to say this on air, but you know, we haven't had the 225 7015 and the 225 7515 tire cross paths. It's close. Every once in a while, you pick up the wrong tire, and if it's off by a little bit, you'll never know. And the issue becomes, Jeep Liberties in particular are very sensitive to differences in tire diameter. So tire size is going to make a whole world of difference. So just just I'll verify that. Just to verify that that's something quick, simple and easy to do. The 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 next thing I would think about is you had the U-joint replaced. Did they just do the joint or did they actually go through the effort of balancing the shaft? They said it was balanced too. Okay. They, they balanced the shaft also. So it wasn't your regular repair shop, it was a it was a driveline specialist so to speak. No, it was just a regular uh, shop. I wonder how they knew the drive shaft was balanced. Uh, well, they told me they balanced it. He said they replaced the. Uh, it was a rear U, U joint. Okay. He said they balanced the drive shaft also. All right, so they sent the drive shaft out because I know of. They must have. Yeah. Yeah, because I know have. of no repair shop that's got an in-house drive shaft balancing facility. Okay. So then my second question would be if you if you crawl underneath it and look at the and look at the drive shaft. Does it look like a weight is missing? Okay. All right. I haven't checked that. I'll have to check that. You know, could a weight be missing off the shaft? And then okay. my last and my last question would be at thirty five miles an hour, if you're cruising along and it's it's doing it under load, does it change when you take your foot off the gas and cruise? Does it change if you put the vehicle in neutral? Uh when you it seems like it when you take your foot off the gas it will smooth out. Okay. So then it's 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 a duress vibration, it's under load, and I start thinking yeah. about looking at trans mounts and motor mounts. Okay. Just okay. to just to see what kind of shape they're in. Okay. I can do that. All right, sir. And uh just to let you know, um they have a great program here at the Sinclair Community College automotive classes. Okay. And since I'm a senior citizen, so I can take those for free. So I've been going through taking those one quarter at a time. 
So it's been pretty good. It's it's the it's, breaks class this quarter. It's it's interesting stuff, right? No, oh, yeah, interesting. Yeah. I took the electronics one and two and learned a lot of new stuff, but uh, probably never use it. But you know, hey, hey you never know. You're never too old to learn, brother. Knowledge is good. Yeah, you know. That's hey, right. listen, I'll tell you what. Why don't you go talk to the instructors? Give them our number. And uh, hook them up with us, and let's uh, let's maybe we'll do an interview on an instructor or two. And we can talk about training the new technicians of the future. Um, drop our name over there, and let's see if we can uh, get them some airtime and talk a little bit about uh, you know fixing cars and the technicians of the future, that kind of thing. Roger, I appreciate the call, and I appreciate you being there and your efforts. I'm Ron Anini and the Car Doctor. I'll be back right after this. Welcome back, Ron Anini and the Car Doctor. By the way, I should point out that. Um, I think this is the last week coming up for the Super Chips $25 cash rebate on any, on any uh, flash pack. So if you get out to the website, where is it here? Superchips.com. If you're thinking about buying an in-vehicle tuner for your vehicle, um, for your uh, you know truck, SUV, or Jeep, etc., um, Flashback's got you covered. They've got running a coupon here, a $25 cash rebate on any flash pack uh, controller now through September 30th. So uh, we're uh, one, two, three, four, five days away. Um, Get out there and do that. Let's get over and talk to Dave in Iowa. Dave, you're on with the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Hello, buddy. How you doing? All right. What's going on, man? Hey, uh, you know what? I got a I got a statement to make, and then I've got a question about a car. Uh, the first statement I'd like to make is I think you need to open up at a university, and if I win the lotto, I'll finance it. Okay. Now you're in. But and, now, uh, listen. I got a request. If you do that. I want you to put the, I want you to put the university next door to Walt from Maui, Hawaii. This way, I can, uh, you know, he'll be, he'll be first in line every morning, and at least I'll get a view of the Pacific. Oh. Absolutely, wherever you want it, Ron. Anyway, I've got a Malibu to my wife's car, and she's listening, so you can say hi, Renee. Hi, Renee. Uh, <laughs> anyway, she's got a Malibu, a 2000 Malibu. We pulled it in our driveway, which has a slight down uh, um, uh, slope to it, and I put it in park. Uh, I went back out the next morning to try to start it. I couldn't get the key to turn on. I couldn't get the uh, the uh, uh, thing to come out of park. The button uh, was working, but it wasn't releasing. And the little uh, light down on the uh, uh, low, uh, they have a little lights there to show you what gear you're in. Right. And uh, the light was on, but the shifter was up in park, and the key wouldn't work. So anyway, we were stranded there. We called the mechanic, and he said, well, we'll just have to come out and pick it up. I said, pick it up. I said, you're going to have to have a lift because we can't even get the damn thing to roll it anywhere, you know. Right. So he's going to have to drag it out in the street and drag it up on the deal. So rather than that, I thought, oh, Ron will know what to do. Well, so, so, so you know, here's, my, here's what probably happened. You know, you're you're probably you've got the weight of the vehicle resting on the park pole inside the transmission, so it's just you've got so much load there that it's just jammed up against it, holding it in place. So, uh, number one, can you turn the key to the on position real quick, Dave? Can you turn the key to the on position, and will it shift into neutral, or it's just stuck in gear? It's just stuck in park. Period. Stuck in park. You got to get the weight off the park pole. You got to see if rocking the car while you're shifting it will actually release the weight of the vehicle. Just be aware, don't get run over if the car pops out of park and you're standing in front of it and it's rolling downhill. Think about what you're doing. I'm Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor. The mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. Everyone! 